0: The real facts and the real stats about our local market Uh, we want to give you this information so you can make some wise real estate decisions and we're now entering our third decade Uh, we're in our third decade of broadcasting this show well it's truly only 15 years still a long time but i say three decades because we started in 09 so that would be one decade, then the 10s were another, and now the 20s. And I bring that up because that shows you how you've. we all have to think for ourselves when we, when we hear stats, because um, they can be spun. And to help me with the show today, we have the 2023 president of the Fresno Association of Realtors, Brian Dominguez. Good morning. Good morning, Don,
1: good to be back with you
0: again. All right. Yeah, and um, not only are you the president of FAR this year, but you're also the broker and owner of Premier Valley Realty, and Cypress Property Management. I sure am. So you probably have experienced a thing or two
1: out there. (laughs) Yeah, it's been an interesting ride, the last few years. How long have you been in it? I got licensed initially in two thousand three, so quite a while. And then I, I sold real estate for a while, and then went into entitlements for commercial developers and. Came back and started my own brokerage and then did the added the property management arm in 2017.
0: Tell us about that entitlement thing.
1: We used to uh, be hired by landowners who had big pieces of land that wanted to turn it from dirt or agriculture basically into large scale commercials. So it could be a retail center, it could be a master plan community. And the process of going through, um, the approval through the local jurisdiction you know fresno county or city of fresno or madera county whoever whoever had the authority at the time um, could require changes to the general plan or the reason or the zoning and you know the general plan is kind of the the road map for development in a city and uh, if the color on the map doesn't match the use that you want then you have to go through a process of uh, entitling it and that um, was where we came in and we would sit down with the owner, understand what they were trying to accomplish and uh, meet with their team and then shepherd that through the, the process. So that would be discretionary hearings, uh, planning commission, board of supervisors, city council meetings. And then another portion of that was the public relations side of uh, meeting with the neighborhood because as you, as you know, sometimes neighbors aren't in agreement with what landowners want to do on their property. So we managed the, all the pre-construction uh, process to get them ready to start building.
0: Wow. And you decided to leave that and get into general brokerage?
1: You know, I did. Yeah, it was it was a uh, really great um, foundation. And I learned a lot and I learned a lot about the intersection of politics and uh, real estate and land use. So I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later. But that's really where I started to understand that relationships mattered. All right. I like
0: what you said there, the intersection of politics and real estate. Yeah. Ah, Yeah, Yeah. we, we do see that daily absolutely all right so because uh brian is president of the fresno association of realtors i thought you would be the perfect person today to let's talk about the market and uh, where it's at and we can use statistics as a talking point but also want to know what's your gut feel yeah You, you know maybe leave the numbers and the calculator
1: away for a little bit
0: and what what is your gut feel on the market on June
1: third? <laughs> June third. Well, you know it's interesting. I had the um, the privilege to represent the association at the economic f- uh, forecast. The Fresno EDC puts on every year a, a real estate forecast for different segments. Come in, brokers talk about you know industrial, office, retail, and um, residential, and and preparing for that, I really started to get into some of the trends and and what we've seen. And and when the rates went up last year, uh, doubled, you know, as we know, we, and the, somebody kind of put a um, stick in the spokes and really stopped all the activity that we were having for a while until we could digest that the rates were going to stay where they were and kind of let them settle. It, it definitely had an impact and you saw the, the real estate market um, basically come to a halt. Buyers no longer could afford the homes that they were looking at and, And so we've kind of transitioned through that at the end of the year. And as we started the first quarter of this year, I think what we saw is that we had really in the rearview mirror to hit the bottom. I think the, uh, back then the median sales price in Fresno County was 380 and now we're well over 400 again. And, um, things are starting to move. We're starting to see, you know, in June, multiple offers kind of like we did at one point where that had uh, slowed down for a while. So it's, it's an interesting market of, um, you know, you think you've got it all figured out and then uh, there'll be a small change in the interest rates and it'll have a drastic impact on the market the next month.
0: You know, I discovered something this week. Um, I, I did a little, I brought, took out the calculator and an amortization schedule and I figured this out. Even though rates doubled, payments only went up a quarter. Interesting. But, yeah. You have to triple the rate before you double it.
1: That's good. To, that's good to know because you know con, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about with numbers and stats and trends, without the context of kind of a larger history of looking at what we normally would see as, as normal, you you get caught up in what may seem like a big deal, but at the end of the day, maybe it, maybe it's not as severe as we thought. And to, your example was a perfect demonstration of that. Yeah,
0: in fact, um, these are the numbers that I remember because um, they're very simple numbers at six percent on a hundred thousand dollars the principal and interest is $600 at 3%. It was $422. So you could see it doesn't double or or go in half. Yeah. I was going around the office telling people about that. And one person looked at me and said, man, you're the next Yogi Berra. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Yogi yogi yogiism. You got to triple it before you can double it. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. I like that. Yeah. It could be a bumper sticker.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, I think the biggest change that we're seeing in the market is that there's not a lot of listings out there. There, um, Yes, the interest rates went up, so there's fewer buyers, but there's still plenty of buyers. W- would you agree with that? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I still think it's a seller's market. I think a lot of people were sitting on the sidelines hoping that they were going to get to take advantage of a huge decline in value, and it never really came. I mean, you had a small Uh, dip and then a a quick rebound, and so I think there were a lot of people that were, frankly, just kind of disappointed that the deals weren't coming up like they had thought. And um, it's definitely still a seller's market. It's it's, in fact, our inventory is so low. You know, if we could do anything today, it would be to hopefully help encourage people that are thinking about selling to put their home on the market because we're desperately in need of the inventory. All right, I'm gonna get right to the hard question. All right,
0: and if you walk up and get up and walk out, I I would understand because this is not an easy one. But why are there so few sellers right now?
1: Well, you know, the number of people locked in at an interest rate of less than 4% is in the high 80s, I think, last I saw. So when you're um, contemplating a move and you go meet with a a lender that you trust and they're going to start giving you a budget and you you get your new payment for what your potential uh, new purchase is going to be, and you compare that to the payment that you have in the in the home that you're in, um, a lot of people are having to s- decide is that is it worth it to to get rid of that rate and get into uh, one that's a little bit higher. And some people have decided that that they're not ready to make that change. You know that, so the I think the lock-in effect is what um, I read a, they're calling it now is that there's a lot of homeowners that are locked in just due to the fact that they have a, a historically low rate. Um, so that's definitely one one factor for sure.
0: Yeah. Kind of hard to live in the rate though, yeah it is. Yeah. So eventually, if the family grows or the, the size the size of the family changes, and you got to make a move, you, you got to do it despite
1: the rate. You do, and I think that that's a good point. Is you know I tell people all the time if if you want to move and you can afford a payment in what in a home that suits your needs, do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean the the rate situation is temporary. We'll have an opportunity to, to re- uh, refinance that at some point and. You're, you're, you're right, to live, I in fact, I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, yeah, my wife and I are going through a divorce and our rate is so good that we've decided that we're, although we're, our marriage is over, we're not going to sell our home. And I thought, you know, how interesting to have <laughs> an interest rate impact your decision-making to the point that you're willing to live with your ex-wife <laughs> uh, in, in your home just for the, the economics of it. So, you know, it's funny how, how people think sometimes.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. But I, maybe when People realize that even though the rates doubled, the payment only went up a quarter, um, they might make that move. And with that rate being higher now, I I could see not making a little move. In other words, going from a 1,500-square-foot home to a 1,700-square-foot home. But if the need is now for a 2,000-square-foot home and you got 1,500 – Maybe that that twenty five percent more in payment won't stop you like it it may have.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing to remember too is you probably have a lot of equity in your home, right? So you are going to yes, your rate may be higher, but you are going to sell your home and potentially take that large uh, portion of equity with you to the next property, which will help with affordability too.
0: That's a good point because even though you are buying a bigger home, you are not financing. The whole thing right yeah uh, as long as you move your equity over that's right yeah. which is by the way <clears throat> that's the way it's always been done people I, I remember my cousin came here from Italy one time and he he <clears throat> he asked me what the the basic mortgage payment would be on a certain house and I told him two thousand a month then we we're driving past a big home out on the bluffs and he goes well how much is this one I said probably still two thousand a month. He goes, why the same? I said because that's probably the fifth house that they've bought, and they just kept moving their equity. Mm-hmm. So maybe they bought for uh, two hundred thousand. Next house was three hundred, four hundred. Pretty soon they keep moving that equity over, and it's it's a large down payment.
1: Well, that's a that's a great point. My wife and I, our first house was a two bedroom, one and a half bath. And we've just rolled the equity over every few years that we've sold, and into you know, a four bedroom, three bath now. You know, so you're you're right. You get to take that money with you. Mm-hmm. So, wow, uh, you
0: got stats there for the month of May. C- can you give us what our average sale price is?
1: Yeah, our um, median sale price was. Let's see. Let me get that. Get to that real quick. Uh, four hundred thousand. Okay. 400 and I'm sorry, 460,000 in May. That's the the average. Yeah, Uh, we were uh, the median active price is 400. The sold price is 460. All right. And
0: there is a difference between the average price and the median price. So can you give our listeners what that is? Because once again, as you listen to statistics, we got to know or we got to listen to the
1: whole sentence, not just the number. It, well that's the interesting th- thing about statistics you can run you know we have access you you and i as realtors to different reports and how you pull the data paints a different picture right so yeah when we're talking about averages versus median so averages are are taking into effect all of the outliers so you're going to have a different number than the median but it's also going to bring in some of the things um you know the real real low and some of the real real high numbers where a median is more the middle so you know i think it would be Fair to say that a median number could be potentially a more accurate picture of what's happening.
0: And I think a great example is uh, I saw a home listed at nine and a half million dollars. Well, that is definitely going to affect. It's going to skew your uh, average. Average, yeah. That's going to bring it way up there. However, on a median, it's only one of the five hundred that's being counted. Right. So you're once again you're, you're trying to find number 250 out of 500. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with all that good information that we got from Brian, we are now going to our first commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And Here in the studio helping us out today is brian dominguez he's the owner and the broker of cypress property management and premier valley realty and the president of the fresno association of realtors for the year of 2023 first of all how's it going as president
1: you know we're halfway through almost that's the um probably the most shocking part i feel like we were just in the planning stages of what what the year was going to look like and here we are halfway through. So when uh, people like you, and other past presidents said it goes fast, buckle up, you were right. Um, going well, though. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of the leadership team that we have and the, the board, and I think we're making good strides in all the right directions that we kind of put our aim on at the beginning. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy so far with what we're doing.
0: So the best advice I got when I was president in 2008 was from the National Association president. He said, if you are counting the days until your term is up, trust me, your
1: your constituents are too. <laughs> so don't do that. He, yeah.
0: he said, go, go hard all the way to the end.
1: Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot. I've been in some rooms where I've got to hear from experts and people smarter than I am about what's happening in our industry and traveled all over the country. And uh, it's been it's been a it's been a treat. It's it's hard sometimes to balance, you know, what I, everything else I've got going on. If I'm if I'm totally honest, but it, it's been it's been well worth it.
0: All right, great. Um, second best advice I got was don't blink, because <laughs> before you know it, it's over. That's right. <laughs> okay, I I'm excited to have you here because I have a lot of questions about the rental market, and being you're the broker and owner of Cypress Property Management tell us what's happening with the rental market
1: you know so that's been an interesting ride as well we have talked about the the sales side of real estate but um, on the property management side you know we had rents that raised drastically over the last several years in fact I think we made a couple of uh, national headlines about some of the fastest rent growth in in Fresno um, which we hadn't seen that type of acceleration and in, in rental rates in in a long time at least in my career so um you know we we saw a lot of and then you talk about competition with buying investment properties we had a lot of investors that were coming into town that were buying properties which made it even more challenging for some of our uh owner occupant buyers but we did get to a point where we reached a plateau with with rents here in town I I think we we pushed the uh, affordability uh on some areas and um we started to see that the the market softened a little bit in fact on a um One-bedroom apartment in Fresno, we've seen a 14% decline year-over-year in rental rates. So the average one-bedroom apartment in Fresno right now is uh, $1,300 a month. Um, Average rent for a two-bedroom is $1,549. And uh, three-bedrooms, you're looking just under $2,200 a month for a a three-bedroom house or apartment. Apartment, not a house. Right.
0: Um, How much more would a house be?
1: You know, a three-bedroom house? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably looking closer to 25, 20, 23, 24, uh, depending on the area, the school district. Um, but when the when we reached the max and we started to see a softening and, and rentals were sitting on the market a little bit longer, um, we would see that people were moving, you know, relatively in the same neighborhood, but they could save $150 a month or $200 a month. And so we started to see some turnover uh, when they felt like they had gotten... Um, into a rental lease that was that was higher than what the current market was was showing
0: hmm. so and that would be pe- the renter willingly moving to Save take a, a little rent yeah that's right that, that's interesting about the willingly moving right because the legislators seem to think that um it, it's the landlords wanting them to move
1: no, you know, I would say, you know, that that comes up a lot in the media, but we manage about 725 doors and our the majority of our owners want good tenants more than their penny pinching to the point that they want to maximize the return to the level that they're going to squeeze every dollar out of it. I mean, if they've got a tenant that's taking care of the property, that's communicating well, that, you know, is enjoying the home and not doing major damage and pays on time that's a good trade-off from having to try to push it to the max and get them out, right? That's a win-win situation. That's a win-win. That's a great, yeah. And I was just writing this down. What
0: What is it that makes a good tenant? I think you kind of answered it there.
1: Yeah. You know, we a, a good tenant is somebody that pays on time, that communicates quickly to the property management company or the landlord that there's an issue. You know, you don't want to hear that there was a leak. Uh, In some plumbing in the drywall three months ago, and then you've got a problem to come in and deal with, you know, so open communication about what's happening and and a a pride of uh, where they live, that they're taking care of the home and keeping it clean and and following the rules and being a good neighbor in that in that community. So uh, and we have a lot of those. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of those.
0: Yeah. And I've always told tenants that I'd rather you call me early. So it's a hundred dollar problem if you wait too long, it becomes a thousand dollar problem.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've also tried to educate our tenants too. You know, a lot of, um, people, a lot of people that are renting don't really have to deal with the issues of maintenance around home ownership because they're, they're renting. Right. So they get to, they get to report those, but we do try to help them understand, you know, if you've got a clogged, um, garbage disposal, that there's a little Allen wrench that you could try to squeeze, you know, screw around at the bottom and see if you could get that unclogged before a plumber comes out. So we try to, share with them some common um, fix it that they could start doing on their own before they reach out to us too. Mm-hmm. So what
0: should a, a brand new tenant expect w- when they first view a property and say, yeah, I like it? Uh, what should they expect as far as the application process um, and, and how much money they need to come up with?
1: Yeah, um, every landlord or property management company's criteria is probably going to be a little bit different ours is uh, our expectation is you make three times the rent so we want to see a bank statement or if you're a business owner we're going to go through your bank statements and calculate your income on a on a basis to get an average Uh, we want to know where you've lived and who you've rented from the previous 10 years so we reach out to um, former landlords you know kind of kind of get their grade for you as a tenant you know did you obey the rules did you have dogs when you weren't supposed to did you pay your rent on time you know what do you have any past evictions because if you do that's for us um, a no uh, we, we require that there be no previous evictions on your rental record uh, so three times the rent 10 years residence history verified income um, no evictions are really kind of the the cornerstones of our evaluation process mm-hmm
0: why is it that an eviction uh which i would like to clarify this once again sometimes people in the legislature look at a termination as an eviction in fact they call it just cause eviction right when when it's actually the lease is up right it's over but we're talking about a eviction that went to what's called an unlawful detainer
1: that's right yeah an eviction you know and it doesn't always have to be because the tenant didn't pay rent. It could be because they have violated the terms of the lease. Maybe they could be current on their on their rent, but still violating terms of the lease. So in that case, you give them a three-day notice to stop breaking the rule that they're breaking. And uh, if they don't, you can start the eviction process. Mm-hmm. Um, so m- most they, of ours are, are non-payment of rent, though. Okay. I was just going to ask that.
0: But there are some that are for breaking a, a, a rule uh-huh. or rules, not the best word an agreement yeah for example uh parking on the lawn
1: parking loud on, parties yeah. Yeah, that's right parking on the lawn disorderly conduct uh having people in your you know people living with you that aren't on the lease or haven't been vetted uh subleasing you know we've seen that where we've had um, people come in present that they're going to rent the property and then they airbnb it without permission that's that's a violation of our particular lease uh, and even though we're getting the rent on time, there's they're not abiding by the terms of, of what they agreed to. So that would be something that we would say, hey, you've got three days to rectify that or we're going to start an eviction.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Pets. Uh, um, that brings up an interesting thing. Does the owner of a property have a right to say
1: no pets? They do have the right to say that That what they can't say is if the tenant has an emotional support animal that they can't bring it. So, I mean, by law, if you have a, an emotional support animal that um, the landlord has to accommodate that. And, and they're supposed to, you know, supposed to provide documentation that we're hoping you didn't buy off the Internet that's legitimate and that the uh, the pet is actually performing some kind of um, service to the to the tenant, you know, seeing iDog, you know, helping – um, alert the owner that they potentially could be having a, a seizure, the tenant rather, mm-hmm. or um, stress reduction, something like that. Um, but we're seeing a lot more emotional support animals than, than we used to for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, wh- what process do you as a property manager take to find out if there's any breach in those contracts? Uh, unauthorized people living in there. Uh, unauthorized yeah. pets living in there.
1: Yeah, a couple different ways. You know, we have uh, vendors typically that are on the property every week, so our, our gardeners are there, and then if any, our, we have relationships with all of our vendors, our plumbers, our handymen. They're out in the property, and they're trained to tell us, hey, you know, there didn't used to be a dog here, and now there's a dog bowl, and we having a hard time getting in the backyard to mow the lawn, because there's a big German Shepherd, you know, just hey, FYI, and then we'll go, oh, well, you know, that's a surprise to us, because that's not supposed to be there, so... Well, our vendors will alert us for one. We've had neighbors alert us sometimes when there's uh, behavior going on that the neighborhood's not happy about. Um, And then we do inspections. We do um, exterior inspections, drive-bys, and then we also do annual interior inspections. You do an annual. We do.
0: What is the cooperation rate on that from tenants?
1: You know, we try to, uh, when we're reaching out to them to schedule it, we try to, uh, presented in a light, which is true, that we're there to make sure that the property is, is maintained in a, a standard that they would expect and that th- we're doing our part and that they're doing theirs. So we kind of frame it as a two-way street. You know, We've got obligations to make sure your property is uh, free in, of any health and safety concerns and you've got an obligation to take care of it per, per your lease and we just want to go out and make sure that, that that's happening. So most, unless they have something to hide, are pretty, pretty cooperative.
0: All right. Great. With that, we are going to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today Because the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away well welcome back to welcome home radio this is don scordino and i love that patriotic music that's why i waited a little bit to come back on uh especially after the memorial day weekend where we honored those who gave it all for the our freedom and part of that freedom is property rights uh, and and the right uh, and home ownership <clears throat> which is very important that's why my mother's family came from italy um because they want they had their home taken away from them in italy during the war wow and they wanted to come here where they could own that thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so um brian dominguez you were just in washington dc for the national association of realtor meetings give us an update from there
1: yeah, you know, I think there are about 8,000 realtors from all over the country that got to, um, you know, go back to our capital. And it's always, a, it's always a fun trip and a great reminder. I'd been to DC a few times of just how lucky we are to live in, in this country. You know, the history and, and the way that the country's been built over the years. It, it was a nice reminder sometimes when we get in a, an environment that's so politically divisive, if we could just kind of figure out how to get along a little bit better. You know, we have so much to be proud of in in this country and obviously as you mentioned home ownership and the security that comes with that is is one of them. So we we're back there um talking to our legislators our, our congress representatives about um issues that are important for homeowners and, and one of those is is some of the listeners may know there's a um uh, exemption if you're selling your primary home as a single person for 250,000 so that means you can sell your home and if your your profit if you want to refer to it as that is 250 or less you get to take that tax free if you're married that exemption is 500,000 which you know could sound like a lot of money but in California which is one of the most expensive states with the increase in values and prices going up so quickly that that change has that hasn't been changed since 1997 so one of the things that we're, uh, we were back there advocating for is that it be raised to 500000 so double it for a single, and then a $1 million for a, a married couple. So that's kind of an example of some of the um, legislation that we're promoting and sponsoring and, and helping to identify co-sponsors in, in Congress to pass to help people that own homes.
0: And I'm going to take a guess, because I didn't come prepared with this
1: information,
0: what the median price was back in '97. But I'm going to say it was probably under a hundred thousand dollars, and yep. here we are now at four hundred thousand, so it's quadrupled, right? the 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 price of homes, and not all of that is profit because some of it's inflation, right? So yeah, I could see where that two fifty needs to be changed.
1: The, the inflation comment is a really great point you know it's it's just it's just keeping up and that's why they want to tie it to some kind of index if this does pass so that we don't have to have these conversations every 10 15 20 years to increase it it'll just automatically increase with the cost of living
0: all right great Uh, in your estimation what's the chances of that passing
1: you know it's still just at the beginning stages where they're trying to identify a um, bipartisan group of people to sign on and co-author the bill, so I think, and there were, we had some good response. I think there, I think it makes sense to a lot of people as to why it's it's needed. Uh, I think there's some challenges with it too. I think there's some opposition, but if they can continue to build that coalition of bipartisan uh, representatives, you know, we're we're hoping that we can get it across the finish line. There's at the time, you know, you have to remember too that this was the debt ceiling was a major topic. In D.C., as um, you know, the there was major issues of big time ramifications if that wasn't going to happen, and thankfully that just happened this week where they were able to pass that. But there, there's a lot of stuff in D.C. that can be distracting from some of our agenda, and that was that was one of the topics there for sure.
0: You know, going to the debt ceiling thing, it, it's a little disturbing yet amusing that you hear so many um, news stories trying to say who the winners and the losers were in the debt ceiling negotiations what happened Everyone. to good old compromise <laughs> yeah. you know I, I mean where you find the win-win situation just like a landlord and a tenant right do yeah and maybe that's what happened to where hey the american people can move on with their lives now and yeah. rather than saying well this side got 51 percent of what they wanted, and that side only got 49.
1: Right. Yeah, I think we forget some. Just like a real estate transaction, you're on opposing sides, but the goal is the same, and that's to, you know, get get to the finish line. And I and I I talked to a few chiefs of staff back when in D.C. when I was there, and th- in their career, some of them 20 25 years in in politics, said this is the most divisive the country's been in their opinion from what they're seeing, and even amongst their own parties. I mean, you've got such. Different uh approaches, even within their own parties. So it's, it's, um, that part's a little discouraging because you hope that, as you said, we're going to get to the middle and remember w- w- the people that, that we're, uh, that we're fighting for and try to move forward in a more, um, middle of the road way.
0: All right. So, um,
1: anything else
0: from NAR that
1: is earth shattering? Um, no, not that I can think of. You know, there was, um, some talk there was a fee that was put into place for loans there, uh, uh, for yeah. people that had uh, better credit scores were getting penalized through a, a fee um, with their mortgage rates to kind of subsidize some of the the those applicants whose credit scores were were less and that was overturned so that that's an example of a lobbying effort that we were successful at because the, the government uh, reversed that policy so that was helpful
0: okay so both the The two hundred and fifty thousand dollar capital gains exemption and this fee thing that Uh kind of originated from the National Association of Realtors and they're bringing it forward to um, the congressional leaders. All right. So that's that intersection of politics and real estate that you were talking about. Yeah. Great example. Um, Because without the realtors bringing that forward. Probably it wouldn't wouldn't go
1: yeah well it's important you know we focused locally as, as you know and and we have the the privilege of having you on the radio giving market updates and market stats because real estate's local right I mean can you imagine if we didn't have a local voice about Fresno real estate and we were relying on you know a state organization to come in and talk about uh, what's happening in our market and they're not practitioners or not in the trenches or not talking to clients on a day-to-day basis um, that would be a real disservice. So, you know, we try very hard to um, be the voice not only for elected officials, because when they're making policy decisions, we want to make sure that the facts that they have, understanding the difference between a median and an average and, and the context is accurate. And uh, same for the, the media, right? And we want the news stories to be representative of what's actually happening here in Fresno, the Fresno metro area.
0: You just brought out a good point when you said being in the trenches. And it made me think, this is what I'm seeing right now. And I, I want your take on it, yeah. Brian. And that is, I'm seeing a potential buyers coming in. They want to buy a home. They're not ready financially or for whatever reason. But the good thing is they're coming in and and, and talking to a real estate professional to get some direction. They might be six months or a couple of years away, but that's good. That shows they're dreaming uh, of yeah. owning a home, right? Um, and getting the direction to to be, get there.
1: Yeah, you know that's it's a journey, right? And you talked about NAR. We were in um, Sacramento the week before with the California Association of Realtors delegation, and um, one of the things that we were advocating there there was uh, the the governor had allocated 500 million dollars for down payment assistance in this year's um, budget we only got uh, 300 of that and we burned through that in 11 days so the the state was saying we'll we'll partner with buyers up to 20 percent of the purchase price as a down payment loan and then will um, recoup that when they sell the property or refinance it in addition to a 20 percent of the equity so the state was partnering that it was an investment it was supposed to be a self-funded program to help people get on the ladder of home ownership because um, what we know nar our national association of realtors put out a study and homeowners their wealth is 40 times higher than that of a tenant so when you're looking at net worth you're looking at a legacy to leave your children of you know uh, some inheritance you're looking at a, a a home that you could potentially refinance to put some of your kids through school. I mean, all of those things, it's for us, the, the realtor trade associations, it's so much more important to help somebody get on the ladder of home ownership than subsidize their rent. And I'm going to make a
0: comment there that that 40% is not all tied to just owning a home, but it's knowing how to manage money. Because to buy a home, you have to be able to save up money you manage your money uh, and, and those financial skills that will play off into other parts too uh, other than just the home um those that cannot get into a home in many cases not all cases but many cases haven't uh, learned money management skills right so so that's an important they don't one teach
1: that in school they still don't I, you know they haven't a long time and they still don't teach it i guess Yeah. And
0: I heard a good one not too long ago that the best tool to live on 110 percent of your income is a credit card. The best tool to live on 90 percent of your income is a savings account, and that will quadruple and, and then some. Yeah. So. All right. So anything else that came from the state meetings?
1: Uh, we asked for another 800 million, so stay tuned um, for that down payment assistance program. We'll see if that if that gets funded. Um, and that and was
0: called the Dream for All program. Dream
1: for All, yeah, uh, th- throughout the state. And like I said, you know, they they went through 300 of it, 300 million of it in 11 days, and then the governor pulled back the t- extra 200 that had been allocated. So we asked that that be fully funded and another 800 million on top of that. So hopefully that comes to fruition. And then we all we were up there. Um, you know, monitoring rent control, strict, very strict versions of rent control beyond AB 1482. You alluded to that earlier. The just cause uh, eviction bill. Um, really hoping that the the government will st- be regulate landlords or uh, property providers now, housing providers now. I think we're we're calling them uh, less, so that the the market can continue to perform without too much intervention from the government.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Brian. And with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Brian Dominguez, the 2023 president of the Fresno Association of Realtors, with us here today, and to, I, I want to bounce off of that. What does the association do for its members that those members now benefit uh, their consumers, the clients?
1: Yeah, well, the, there's lots of lots of member benefits. You know, um, tangible and intangible from just the educational component, the code of ethics. The National Association of Realtors has a code of ethics that we abide by as a realtor member. And um, you know, one of the ones that the consumer probably interacts with and benefits from the most is called the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service. Um, and that that is a database, if you will, of all of the properties in the area that us as realtors have to um, put into the Multiple Listing Service if we're gonna um, put up a how you know put a listing up. And then it also helps with some of the stats that we were talking about earlier. It, it produces reports that allow us to analyze solds pendings or properties that are in escrow and then houses that are active on the market
0: okay so it's a great database it is yeah and um is this all the brokers in in the area
1: yeah well i mean yeah it is you've got 9.9 (laughs) the majority of them and, and they're you know the one of the things i think you'll hear a lot about uh the push for fair housing in our industry right we have forums where we're explaining to sellers the importance of fair housing and, and fair housing kind of summed up, I would say, is that everyone should have access to housing, right? No matter who you are, what you subscribe to, or what, or who you, you know, all, everyone should have the right to, to homes. And um, that includes rentals too. And I, and I think the MLS is the best tool for fair housing that we have because it mandates that all of the properties go into one central place and provides access to everybody, so everybody that's looking for a property to buy can go to uh, the the MLS and have know that that's going to be the most accurate source of information for access. So, for uh, to, you know, I think it's a great fair housing tool.
0: You know, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up, um, because really, when a home is put into the Multiple Listing Service, you're opening it up to over four thousand members in the local multiple listing service saying here's our invitation for you to bring a buyer and uh here's our welcome mat bring your buyers and um, make us an offer
1: yeah and the information's not fragmented you know it'd be much harder to have access to housing for all if we had to go to several different places to gather the information to see what was for sale right hmm Excellent um, point. Yeah, so I think, and then and then we have you know realtors subscribe to the clear cooperation policy, which means that pocket listings are listings that nobody knows about. We have rules that we're bound to to make sure that if we take a listing, we've got to put it into the multiple listing service within a certain amount of time, so that everybody does have access to see it.
0: I remember before that rule came in effect, there would be my buyers would call me and say, "Hey, I just saw uh, a sign up over on Barstow Avenue." Yeah. and uh, tell me about that. Well, I go to look it up and yeah. not there. Come to find out that particular listing agent was trying to sell it themselves. Right. Um, and sometimes that was known to the seller. Sometimes it wasn't known to the seller. Right. The seller assumed it was in the multiple listing service. Gee, I wonder why I don't have any good offers yet.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I think, you know, in general, there's obviously such, situ- you know, some situations that may be different, but in general, the fastest way to sell your house for the most amount of money is to expose it to the most amount of people, right? Mm-hmm. And the MLS is, is the best tool that we have to, to do that. That's
0: right. And it, it's a tried and true uh, tool. Been around over 100 years. And it, it puts two competitors like Brian Dominguez and Don Scordino together. And it's like we have an opportunity to sell one another's listings mm-hmm. um, and create that win-win situation for a buyer and a seller.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It um, And, the, you know, the other thing I think that the consumers sometimes don't realize is the some of the sites that they're interacting on that are out there, you know, the, the realtor.coms and, and Zillows of the world, truly wherever they're getting information about listings, that information and that data is coming as a direct feed from the mls so that's important to know too that um, it's it's not only helpful for realtors to find out about each other's listings and cooperate with the sale but it's it's feeding all of the consumer facing uh, third-party websites
0: yeah and a difference too. We have rules and regulations that we have to follow that maybe a third-party site doesn't have those That's right. same rules and regulations.
1: Yeah, and the uniformity of the information that we're looking for, right? I mean, we have certain things that we have to put in, which makes it more complete and more accurate. Um, you know, you can you always verify it on your own, but we've got we know that it's going to tell us if you know th- what the major characteristics of the house are, where it's located, what the address is, and um, all of that.
0: Yeah, how to show it?
1: How to show it? Exactly. Yeah,
0: that's important.
1: That's very important. Yeah, if you think a house is vacant and it's not, that's a, a, a unwelcome surprise. That I, <laughs> you know, I've as I'm sure you've experienced that as well as I have.
0: Once, <laughs> never made that mistake again. <laughs> Honestly, God, I, I walked into a house that I thought was vacant, opened the lockbox up, and there was somebody in there, scared everybody, my buyers, <laughs> the occupants. Well, it turned out I was on the wrong street. I was on Dovewood, not Renwood.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On another house that was for sale? Yeah. With that lockbox? Oh, interesting. With the
0: same uh, real real estate company. Oh, yeah. So, but that was 30 years ago. (laughs) I have never made that mistake since.
1: Yeah, check those addresses.
0: Oh, I double-check, (laughs) triple-check,
1: knock first. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, and speaking of knocking first, there's also a great system – for accessing these properties can you tell us how that works yeah so, so
1: that a seller can feel secure well that that is important we have um a lockbox. you know the that's not just a lockbox that holds a key but it's actually a secure uh, lock box that has an electronic record of who's accessed it so we can set up different protocols depending on um, how we want to show it where you have to put a code in first you know only realtors can open them Uh, we can time them, we can make them available for certain durations of of the day. And um, like I said, the electronic log of who's opened that box is really important, not only for your realtor to follow up with those people to get feedback on your house, but also if there's ever any questions about, well, who was in my home, we were able to provide that information. Mm -hmm. So that's a very um, important security feature for sellers.
0: And also, if you're a seller you've exposed it to the greatest amount of traffic that you can, and 30 days has gone by or some amount of time and the home's not sold yet, I think you can rest assured that the, the problem lies with yourself, not with the marketing.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, the price typically is, is something that you want to take a look at because if the exposure's there and, and um, the marketing was done well and, and we're not seeing any activity, then it's time to talk about the price.
0: All right. Thank you. We just got a couple of minutes left in the show brian goes fast doesn't it it does all right um what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show
1: i would say that i would want our listeners to remember that if this is a good time for you to make a move to do it you know don't let the external factors don't worry about the rate or the economy or or you know what's happening in the world focus on what you can control and if you have a need that uh, requires you to buy or sell real estate, do it. You know, if, the, if you're comfortable with the payment and that is a, is a good thing for you or your family, um, don't be afraid to make a move right now, I would say, is one thing I'd want them to take away. All right. What
0: would be your best advice that you would give to a buyer?
1: You know, a first time buyer, I would say, um, it's not a list of your dream home. It's, um, things that will, uh, you you know, let your criteria be general and wide enough to just buy a home, get on the, you know, you'll have the opportunities we talked about earlier to sell and move up and, and start to hone in on what, what's considered your dream home or your forever home, but just, just get on the ladder of homeownership. We talked about the difference between wealth of a homeowner and a renter and, um, you know for a, a move up buyer who's already got a property i would i would say um again get pre-qualified run the numbers take the equity that you've had the opportunity to to gain over the last several years at a really rapid rate and uh, move that into a property that suits your your needs because as we go through life our, our needs change and and um i would just say don't let fear of the market uh hold you back um, for sellers i would say condition matters you know yes the market's still good yes inventory's still low uh, there's more buyers than sellers, but but people do, I would say, um, continue to have an increased uh, appreciation for homes that are well kept. Do the put in the time to make the curb appeal look good. You know, keep it clean, declutter it, uh, take care of those maintenance items that are deferred, and um, and you'll get a better response.
0: All right, I want to thank you for uh, coming down here today, helping us out, sharing your your bits of knowledge. No. loads of knowledge (laughs) and I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in every Saturday to Welcome Home Radio the Fresno Association of Realtors thanks you thank you Don appreciate all you do for us thank you and we'll be back next week thank you